Did you forget how to start our no, show? No, I was. I looked at the camera and I'm like looking at the lens. I'm like, should I be looking at the lens? I was like, um, no, no. I actually no. should be probably, but we never do that. So I'll have to change the lens. Oh, really? Are you supposed to look uh, like? I mean, my camera's too high. I think I've realized, and I need to get. Uh, that's probably what I should be talking too loud about. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I am your host, Chris Savage. I am joined by Sylvie Lubau, who is our podcast producer extraordinaire and my co-host. It's true. It's true. It's true. Sylvie, we have a great guest today. Rama Vasan, who is the head of North American business marketing at TikTok. I am so pumped about this conversation. Also, I got to pat myself on the back. Doesn't happen too often. I'm a self-deprecating Jew after all, but <laughs> I sent a cold email to TikTok. You did. This is like my biggest, my biggest booking victory yet. Huge get. Huge get. Huge get. Yeah. Huge get. Great Feels job, Super Sylvie. pumped. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I mean, especially because, I mean, we talked about this in the interview, but everyone's asking about TikTok right now. Should I be on there? Should I not? What is it for? Is it all dance videos? Is it not? And I think it also is intimidating because it's like tied to a generation. And I'm not, what if you're not in that generation? Should you be on it or are you going to just do something really cringe? Well, listen to this interview and you're going to take some tips away that I think might actually change your approach to how you think about TikTok. I think so. Yes. I, I think Rama has some good answers for everyone. And I have one important question for you, Christopher. Please. Savage. Please, Sylvie. What has got you talking too loud today? You know how we talked before about camping? Yep. And I'm not a big camper. That's correct. Well, I have somehow gotten myself into a situation where on Saturday for 40th birthday for a few of my buds, we're going canoe camping. <laughs> so we're going to canoe down a river 20 miles and then set up our own tents and bring our own food and dig our own hole for a toilet. And, uh, you know, I, I will admit I'm a little intimidated. I'm a little intimidated by this. <laughs> yeah. You've gone from like, glamper to Meryl Streep in the River Wild. Like, I don't even okay. know who you are anymore. I don't know who I am either. And Brendan is also going and I keep texting. I'm like, what else should we bring? He's like, we'll just bring the basics. I'm like, that's, <laughs> I don't know what that means. And then two days later, and I'm like, so what are we supposed to bring? Like, am I missing? I just am so worried I'm going to miss like the most fundamental thing that, of course, everyone always brings. And I just am totally. like, going to be stuck somewhere with absolutely nothing. Yeah, I just what love should I that. bring? Is it what would you bring? What should I bring? What am I? I'm actually serious. Like I don't know if I'm bringing the right stuff. Okay, okay. Let me try to help you. Okay, you should bring sunscreen. I was not planning on that. There you go. Okay. Boom. Okay. Keep Thank that you. skin healthy. Okay. Um, a whistle. No. Why? That's a joke. <laughs> this is a joke. Okay. <laughs> what I should have is an Apple Watch Ultra, but it's not out yet, so I'm basically screwed. Um, That's it. Okay. Cancel the trip. Cancel the trip. No, no Apple, Apple Watch. Ultra. <laughs> okay. So speaking of people who are doing things at an ultra speed, I think we should cut to Rama and the interview. That was an interesting transition. I'll give it to you. Thanks. I'll give it to you. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rama, thank you so much for being here with us on the show today. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It's uh, exciting to be here with you and Sylvie. I'm excited to have you here. I have a million questions. Um, <laughs> I recently started using TikTok and I feel late to the game. So there's just a lot. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot for us to unpack. 
But I think the first thing I have to ask you is, what has you talking too loud today? Well, uh, I love the name of the show. Let me first start by saying that because <laughs> oh. I hear I hear all the time from my thirteen-year-old daughter about how yeah. I talk too loud on these virtual <laughs> calls, and she's like, "Why are you screaming? Like you're right here; they can hear you." Um, so, jokes aside, uh, what's gotten me talking too loud is, uh, and I've been thinking a lot about this. It was triggered by a recent trip, family trip to Costa Rica is that um, fear of change or fear of the unknown. There's two sides to that coin, right? As human beings, I think we're inherently programmed to, especially as we get older, fear change. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you think about it, change has two sides. One part is uncertainty. The other part is possibility. And I realized that the more you lean into possibility, magic can happen. Sure, it can be a disaster too, but you're also... (laughs) like, you know, looking at the possibility of leaning into magic. So I'll give you uh, sort of an illustration of how this came to life. We were on a family trip, as I mentioned, to Costa Rica, beautiful country, amazing landscapes, our first time there. And amongst the many things Costa Rica is known for, volcanoes, you know, beaches, Mm -hmm. whatnot, Mm -hmm. uh, is zip lines. And uh, I have always been terrified of heights from when I was really young. And obviously, it's only gotten more embedded as I've gotten older. (laughs) And I was the one who was like, we should go ziplining. <laughs> and then when I got oh. there, I was like, oh, my God, like, what have I done? This is a mistake. <laughs> this is so and, high up. And, you know, I'm like harnessed. And we were literally on one of the highest points in Costa Rica, like 4,000 feet above sea level, whatever it was. Anyway, I see my 13-year-old and my 10-year-old and the rest of the people that we were with, my husband included, they were all effortlessly going from one zipline to the next. And I mm. was hesitating because I had a pit at the bottom of my stomach. And then I realized what I'm missing right now is literally the chance to be on top of the world. Uh, And once I accepted that, I began to enjoy it so much that I was one of the few people who did the penultimate Tarzan swing, which is literally Mm. you swinging, like free falling (laughs) from 45 feet on top of the treetops, but I quite easily felt on top of the world. So all this to say, if you apply this, not just from a personal lens, but also a professional lens, like leaning into possibility when it comes to change can be incredibly rewarding. Uh, and I think that's been, in a way, true of my career as well, because I've not had what you would call a traditional trajectory. I've done a lot of different things across mm-hmm. marketing, advertising, digital marketing, communications, and now TikTok. And so it's gotten me to this point, which I think is incredibly rewarding. That is awesome. I love that story. And I love thinking about the fear in the pit of your stomach and like how you overcome it and focus on, you know, the upside and the joy and the potential. And it reminded me of like, I did a zip line when I was like 10. And I was absolutely terrified. It was like a mile long or something across like a valley. And I remember being hooked in looking just thinking, this is such a bad idea. This is so (laughs) I should not do this. And then I did it. And I was so proud of myself. It was so exciting. Although if you look at the photos, I, I, it looks like I'm not having fun. But it, but, but it, it was this like market moment for me of like exactly as you're saying, this idea of like embracing the upside and looking yep. for possibility, which is a, a mindset you can control, but you have to actively think about it to make it work. 1000%. So you're at TikTok. I'm interested when you, when you talk about that journey there, did it feel similar joining TikTok in the sense of like, are you on the Tarzan swing and you just like are already excited, ready to go? Like, how does that, how did that work out for you? It actually does feel like that. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, TikTok is an incredible place. It truly is a rocket ship. 
So the Tarzan swing metaphor like applies in the best possible way because um, you know, as as pervasive as TikTok is, we're still a startup, we're still growing, and it's incredible to be a part of that growth journey. That's awesome. Um, okay, let's let's dig in a little bit. So you're the head of North American business marketing at TikTok, right? Correct. And so you're thinking about how businesses are marketing and using TikTok versus the individual content creators. Yeah. Can you shed a little light on because I think TikTok is kind of mysterious for people. It is this app. Is it dancing? Like there's like all this like different ideas in the media about what TikTok is. And I said earlier, like I've been using it more and more and posting more content onto it. And people are like, oh, your dance videos? And there's like this narrative as to what it is, but that's not what it is. Can you can you just help our audience understand from a business perspective, like why should you use TikTok? What's on TikTok? How should they think about TikTok as part of their broader marketing? Yeah, for sure. And thank you, Chris, for that question. Uh, brands and businesses of all sizes are on TikTok. And not only are they on TikTok, they're finding success against whatever their business objectives are, awareness, consideration, affinity, sales on TikTok. And how they're doing that is really leaning into the power of discovery that the platform presents. So TikTok is really, it doesn't run on a social graph, it runs on an interest graph. So what it means, and you know this because you're on the platform, is that it really gears the content towards what you are interested in versus what your friends are doing. Mm -hmm. And what that then does is exposes you to amazing content and amazing creators and amazing communities uh, where brilliant storytelling can happen by brands as well. And uh, I can tell you that whatever a TikToker's passion or identity or lifestyle, there is a community for that. And we affectionately call those community talks, T-O-K-S. Uh, and my For You page is going to look very different than yours. And my For You page is filled with content from dog talk. Uh, I have a pandemic <laughs> puppy uh, who I have like kept out of the room because uh, otherwise she'll interrupt us. Uh, clean talk. There's something incredibly therapeutic about watching other people clean. South Asian talk because representation matters. I'm originally from India and I love seeing uh, creators from all backgrounds, including India, really thrive on the platform. And really, whatever your interest, there's bound to be a community for that. So if you bring it back to now how are brands activating on the platform, there are countless creative ways that brands can bring their storytelling to life. It really is a playground for creativity. I'll give you a couple of examples. Walgreens, you were talking about dancing app, Gen Z, young platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Walgreens activated with who we would probably consider grandfluencers. It's a group called the Old Gays. Uh to bring to life their yes. My Walgreens app, which is just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. uh, you should check out the content there. Uh, another example, Auntie Anne's, which is known as, you know, a mall food court bread. Delicious mall pretzels. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, the smell alone. <laughs> they made fun of that reputation, leveraging a trend that really talked about, yeah, we're a mall food court brand. That's something you have to come to terms with, but we also have drive-throughs. So yeah. those are the kind of like really great entertaining content that like comes to life on the platform. Another example, uh, Chipotle, is one of those brands that is fully leaned in, listening, responding, uh, also responding to comments, things like that. They created an original sound on the platform to bring to life an offer that they had a couple of months ago. It was free queso on uh, Mondays with the purchase of an entry. The song was so brilliant and the graphics, it was so attuned to the community that they were talking to that they blew up. They got over four and a half million views. And the commentary was literally, I'm following Chipotle now because of the song. 
Yeah. And then the last example I'll give you is corn. If anyone's on the platform now, like you're probably familiar with corn talk, which is uh, a trend tied to this really awesome um, young boy, Tariq, who really loves corn. And uh, so <laughs> Chipotle tied into that trend uh, and created this brilliant piece of content that is now like a great ad. So these are just some of the examples that brands can use the creativity on TikTok to bring their storytelling to life. First of all, I love the examples. I love how specific it is. And it's funny because as, as you say that, and I, I got asked, I'll say this, I got asked this question in an interview the other day. They're like, when should B2B get on TikTok? Are they on it now? When should they get on it? And my answer was, there's a niche for everything. They're on it. It's obviously not the main thing yet, which to me tells me as a marketer, there's opportunity right now. There's opportunity to get out there and figure out what they want. And um, how do you think about that? Like in terms of where is TikTok in the life cycle of a social network? Because it's not even a social, I would say social network. I shouldn't even call it a yeah. social network. I should call it like a social media platform, I guess. But like, how do you think about it in its evolution? I mean, you talked about being a startup. It's pretty different than YouTube, pretty different yeah. than LinkedIn. And how do you think about that, that difference? Can you go a, a little bit into that for me? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll actually take it one step further and say, we're not a social media platform. We're an entertainment platform. Um, and if you think about it, users don't, they check social media, but they watch TikTok. And yes. not only do they watch TikTok, they're not just passively watching. They're leaned in, they're yes. doing, they're stitching, they're searching, they're discovering, they're buying, they're recommending. There's so many actions that you can take as part of like watching TikTok that really TikTok is not just an entertainment platform, it's participatory entertainment. Um, the other thing I'll tell you that makes TikTok quite different than the traditional social media construct is engagement. People spend an average of a movie's worth of time on TikTok every single day, which is, wow. you know, crazy Outrageous. if you think about it. It's wild. That's yeah. absolutely crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And from a storytelling perspective, you know, I was talking about being a playground for creativity earlier. TikTok is sound on. You open up the platform, it's sound on, it's a full screen experience. And there's incredible native co-creation capabilities. Really, all you need is a smartphone and some creativity to be successful on the platform. So when you bring together the authenticity of the TikTok community, combined with this conversation that happens between creators and brands and users, it really permeates into culture in a way that really can't be found anywhere else. And it's also caused this like shift in mindset the consumers want brands to really show up as themselves and they want to identify themselves with a brand versus just having a brand like talk at them. And uh, we did a study recently is the community, global community and self-expression study. And it found that 79% of TikTokers agree that TikTok is a place for brands to really demonstrate their personality and express themselves authentically. So an example of this is uh, Procter & Gamble and always the sanitary product, they partnered with a creator, Naturally Melanie, and she literally created an infomercial with her boyfriend to address the stigma that happens around menstruation and conversations about menstruation with their partners. And she went right down to showcasing the flex foam pad. She did the liquid <laughs> demo. She did the whole nine. <laughs> and by the way, she didn't do it. He did it. She narrated it. Uh, and it was so brilliant. Uh, the users were actually commenting, oh my God, thank goodness she didn't use the blue windshield wiper liquid. 
So that's the kind of like, you know, difference that you see on TikTok that you don't really see elsewhere. I think that is interesting. And that matches the experience that I've had and the folks I talked to. For people who haven't used the platform, you mentioned earlier about like using the original sounds and you just talked then about like duetting mm-hmm. things. Can you just to kind of explain what that is? Like it's mm-hmm. not just publishing, right? No. Yeah. So we encourage brands to think like a marketer, but act like a creator. And by the way, there is no wrong way to find success on TikTok, truly. Uh, it's really about diving in and like enabling like great storytelling and creativity. And the brands that are successful are those that are willing to think beyond the more sort of traditional and fairly, frankly, antiquated marketing tactics to really lean into the authenticity and the conversational nature of the platform. So some specific pillars of best practices. Number one, leaning into creators. Creators are the lifeblood of our platform. They know their communities better than anyone else. And they truly have like expertise in creating great creative content that resonates authentically with their communities. Um, We did a recent study called The Creators Like Me with Hot Specs, and that showed that 71% of TikTok viewers relate to a creator's or influencer's authenticity when they consider a brand. So it really does have a positive impact on um, the brand's objectives. Uh, Another recent example from Glossier uh, there was a creator, her handles at Bitcoin uh, underscore Pappy. She narrated in a TikTok the story of how she was on a jog and she got stopped by someone asking what her perfume was, literally when she was on a jog. And that perfume turned out to be Glossier U. Uh, she also talked about how her boyfriend wrote a poem about said perfume. Uh, and- <laughs> wow. Yeah, this that is some like perfume. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. I know. Like right now, I want to go buy I it. I gotta get it. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, TikTok made me buy it. There you go. Um, and she tagged it on Glossier sponsor me, and the commentary was like, "Glossier, you got to do something." And they were listening, and they jumped on it, and they amplified her content with what we call Spark ads, which is basically putting paid media behind organic content, and they got like 14 million views. Like yeah. that's the kind of magic that happens when you lean into creators. So that's one pillar of best practice. The second is jumping on trends. I talked about the con trend already in Chipotle. There are many other such examples. Um, Charles Gross, he's a creator who created a sound uh, that literally goes one Birkin, another Birkin. What makes these two Birkins different? Uh, <laughs> and that sound now has been used by a number of brands, including <laughs> Little Caesars. And they talk about their different breads. You know, the crazy bread, one Birkin, little cheese, a little cheese bread, another Birkin. Oh so you can just see like, you know, the creativity that like leaning into trends can allow for. Um, and then inspiring co-creation within the community. This is hot off the press. It just was announced on Verge, I think yesterday. Microsoft's Teams, it has that traditional ringtone, the mm-hmm. uh, very recognizable ringtone. So there's a creator, Callum Newton is his name, and he goes by CandyMore.mp3. Uh, he did a remix of that ringtone, including sounds from Bill Gates. And there's like a whole like electronic dance vibe happening. Microsoft heard it and then actually worked with him to create a custom ringtone for the Teams app, which now wow. is integrated oh, wow. onto teams like you can actually download that and make that your team ringtone like that's That's the power of leaning into sort of co-creation with the community so i would say these are the three best practices but like i said there is no wrong way to succeed on tiktok 
Yeah, it's interesting as you're talking about those brands. What I kept thinking about is like a lot of these are quote traditional, you know, B to C brands, and yet they're on there. Like, I mean, I would say it's late if you're not on there at this point, right? Like interacting and engaging with the audience. Mm -hmm. And I I always think about that because, like, you know, this going back to the question I was asked, like, when should B two B brands get on there? Should they get on there or not? And it's like, well, if all of these brands that are quote legacy brands are on there and engaging at this level, and I think Microsoft Teams is such a good example of like the fact that they actually amplified, used that tone that someone had made, yeah. changed in their product, and like this, like they're like co-creating with their community. Yeah. Then there's probably an opportunity for everyone. You just haven't figured it out if you're not on there yet. Yeah, one thousand percent. And I think like really identifying the communities that your brand will have an affinity towards and getting insights from those communities and creators is key for sure. I was also thinking about when you're talking about your for you page, my for you page is a lot of different stuff, including like <laughs> for some reason some like deep sea fishing stuff with like people trying to get very large very large <laughs> fish on their boats. I've never been a fisher, I have no idea why I get this. I get a lot of I get a lot of meta stuff of like how do you make content for TikTok and I and I get stuff that's also like what will TikTok be and I've seen and maybe you can confirm I'd love to hear even what the party line is on this you know hey TikTok in China is far ahead of where it is in the US in terms of like the amount of live streaming purchasing products like during a live stream QVC style stuff like that and the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, that seems really far afield. And the more I've thought about it, I'm like, it, it makes sense if it's an entertainment platform and you're you taking advantage of the fact that you people have people's attention. Um, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna you're gonna serve them in different ways. You're gonna serve ads, you're gonna sell stuff. But I'd love to hear like, how do you think about that? I mean, you're you're in North America and you're uh-huh. in charge of this, but also the business is a worldwide business and the product is at different places. Like, how does that work? Should we think, am I thinking about this the right way? Are the TikTok creators I'm following correct? Like, should, <laughs> is that, is that, is that going to give us indications of where things are going to go or do they treat it differently based on where the audience is? I think it's less about um, sort of geographic distribution and much more around like what your interests are. Okay. Uh, so the the creators and the content that you're seeing on your for you page are tied to what your interests are, which yes. clearly are around like better like understanding TikTok as a platform, yeah. and deep sea fishing. Uh, but like really <laughs> serving you the content, it's l- truly less about like geographic uh, specificity and much more around interest based communities that you're seeing on your for you page. And the like features that I've seen that are like, you know, live streaming QVC style purchase a product. Do you think that that'll come to the US? Yes, um, I do think, you know, that's going to be a part of the horizon as well. Uh, But I'd love to talk a bit more, actually, because we're talking about commerce, about TikTok made me buy it because, you know, we mentioned it earlier. That hashtag on the platform has 21.6 billion views and counting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably in this course of this conversation, it's gone up a little bit more. But um, I think really what brands should be paying attention to is the shift in sort of this consumer shopping habits that TikTok is driving. We call it community yeah. commerce. Yeah. And it's really this magic of community, entertainment, and shopping coming together. And uh, there are brands like Gap and Zara and Bissell Vacuums that have actually seen incredible viral, like being sold out as a result of like people seeing their products on TikTok and recommending the brand. And um, a couple of examples here, Vaseline, um, you know, 150 year brand from Unilever. 
there was a trend earlier this year called slugging on the platform. Okay. And people were that? using, yeah, people are using Vaseline as a skincare product. Uh, and that was called slugging. And it was a trend. <laughs> and Unilever said uh, to New York Times earlier in February when this trend was peaking on the platform, that mentions of the product went up 327%. A 150-year-old wow. brand because of slugging. Yeah. Circle water bottles. Um, so that's spelled C-I-R-K-U-L, Circle. So this is a, a great story of a business that became a brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's a water bottle company that pioneered the concept of flavored cartridges to yield flavored water. Yes. It became a topic of organic conversations on TikTok. They literally served the TikTok made me buy it wave all the way into Walmart. And that was mid-April of this year. And they've already sold 1.4 million units. And they're now one of the top performers in the home department. So these are the kinds of things that really like tie to TikTok made me buy it. And TikTok users are 1.5 times more likely to immediately go out and buy something that they've discovered on the platform as compared to other platform users. So I think there's a lot happening with you know, this idea of community commerce that marketers can really tap into. Why do you think they're so much more likely to buy? Because I think it's less to do with, here's a brand telling you why they're fabulous and much more about the community and the brand and the creators coming together to really showcase what makes the brand unique in an authentic way. Yeah. So it's the trust level is so high. Because if you see something and it's taking off, and that water bottle is a funny example because I know someone who bought one. And I asked them, what is this thing? And they're like, oh, I saw it on TikTok. Yeah. It is interesting. It's interesting to think about. It's like when you're tapping into the community, the community has trust. If someone's showing it to you, they're not the company. Yeah. Right? So they're sh- And they're showing the demonstrable reason why that thing works. It's just really interesting to think about. Because I think it's... I don't know. I feel like I've talked to a lot of marketers who just... They think of it as generational. There's like the TikTok generation, and then there's also the Instagram, and then there's also still the Facebook. And it's I don't think it's that simple at all. It is like obviously a very, very, very different way of interacting. I feel like a lot of B2B companies have written off TikTok because of that reason. They're like, well, they're not my buyer. When the truth is, like everyone is going to have some form of their entertainment coming from this. And so you have to figure it out. Because if you don't, you're just you're missing out on what the future way is. Yeah. And, you know, we really see this. TikTok is multi-generational. I mean, the Walgreens example that I gave you earlier. Also, like, the way to think about it, I would say, is that communities are the new demographics versus, like, age as being the indicator of it. Because, you know, people across different generations have different interests. And you will find all those interests and communities on TikTok. So what should a business do? They're not on TikTok. They're going to get on. They're, they're uh-huh. listening to this interview right now. And they're thinking, you're right. We have to do this. If they aren't on there at all, they're at the beginning of their journey. What should they do? Uh, I think the first thing that they should do is really establish like the key communities that they want to tap into. I think leaning into creators is also a great way to start on the platform. Because as I've talked about earlier, creators have such expertise Uh, on the platform, they can really help guide that transition onto the platform. And then it's really about experimentation around storytelling that ties with the brand's DNA and the community's interests uh, brought to life in a really authentic way. How do you find the right creators? So uh, we have something called the TikTok Creator Marketplace, which started off at uh, about 50,000 creators at the end of 2021, is up to 500,000 now. 
Uh, there's an incredible diverse variety of uh, creators on the marketplace. So that's a great way to find creators that best align with your brands, with your communities, with your interests that you're looking to target. And, you know, that's a good starting place, I would say, especially if it's a brand that's just coming onto the platform. So like find those people, do something for them, reach out to them, help them, help them make content, send them free stuff, like find a way to connect with them. And if they have an authentic connection and they are actually, you know, and they're trying to make content constantly too, you feed into that, then that could be a way that you can start the relationship. Exactly. And the advantage with this creator marketplace is that they're all verified creators. So, Mm. you know, there's like, confidence in working with them as well as marketers. That's awesome. Cool. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. When you think about the future of marketing Mm -hmm. and audience engagement, what do you think we're going to see more of in the next 10 years? And what do you think we're going to see less of in the next 10 years? Um, So this is something I also pointificate on when like, you know, at night, like with a glass (laughs) of wine or whatever. Um, I think the, the focus is going to be continue to be on more authenticity and less curation and perfectly manicured um, communication across the board. Uh, If you think about it, you know, we live in a generation where authenticity is so important. And I think everything that's happened in the world, honestly, like with the pandemic and everything else, I do think that uh, the continued focus on authenticity is only going to elevate over time. And uh, that's one of the things from a TikTok lens, I'm, I'm really like, proud and happy of is that we're always thinking about opportunities to uniquely leverage the creative culture of the TikTok community, but in an authentic fashion. The second thing, uh, and this is personally very relevant to me as well, I'm an immigrant, I'm originally from India, is inclusivity. And when I say inclusivity, I mean across the board, uh, race, gender, sexual orientation, body type, all of it. Not only is that going to be more important, I think that should become more and more so a core value for brands. Uh, And in my mind, that's a business imperative. If you think about it, Gen Z is the most racially and ethnically diverse generation that there is. And that's only going to increase with the generations to come. Like I have a 13 and 10 year old, like, you know, this is, Mm -hmm. this is only going to become more. Um, And I think like showcasing diverse and inspiring voices in communication is going to continue to increase in importance. And then finally, uh, innovation. Innovation isn't a new thing. It's probably one of the most maligned words in marketing. But (laughs) if you think about innovation, I think true innovation, which, you know, truly disrupts, um, we're going to see true innovation disrupts brands, businesses, even categories. And this could be different kinds of innovation. It could be uh, product innovation, of course, but also packaging innovation. If you think about sustainability as another core value, I can see packaging innovation play a big role. Uh, And then finally, communication innovation. That does disrupt categories. Interestingly, um, I was looking at this example recently. Uh, EOS, which is a brand that's very active on the platform, uh, they were listening and they saw one of the creators, Carly Joy. She created this video. It was actually in response to a comment, a, a comment that was directed at Carly Joy. She made this video that was all about how to shave your hoo-ha using the EOS shaving cream. And uh, EOS was listening. Uh, They picked up on that and they very, very quickly, I think it was within a matter of like a couple of days, I believe, really made the decision to like lean into it. And uh, now we have a a bless your effing cooch 
cream that, you know, <laughs> shaving cream that EOS has created that resulted in a tremendous sales spike, search results, and so much more. So that's just like a great example of moving at the speed of culture. And that's the kind of a communication innovation that I think we're going to see more and more of. Yeah, there's a lot in there that is, I mean, people listening and watching this, I think they're going to be taking a lot of notes. There's a lot in this that's extremely <laughs> valuable. I've been taking notes too. Um, but also thinking of that line of moving at the speed of culture and what that means. And I think we can all tell that culture moves really fast now. Mm-hmm. And there are certain brands that are in there, like, as you're saying, going really fast. And the ones that aren't are completely left behind. And, you know, I remember when it was like the the Harlem Shake. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And it was like, can you do this? And But that mm-hmm. like that lasted for like a month. Right. That wasn't two, three days. And we're talking about things that are spiking in the course of two or three days and then flipping, you know, disappearing. And so it's, I think it's good advice for everyone because it's also just the importance of being able to move incredibly quickly on this stuff, yeah. which means you have to have people who can make the stuff. You have to have stuff internally that can do it, or you have to have the creators you already work with. Like you have to be able to to respond, you have to actually architect how you're set up differently, which is a really interesting thing to think about in general. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it does require uh, that infrastructure. I don't disagree because not only do you need all of what you said, but you also need the ability to like really listen to be able to respond in that level of like speed. It's doable from big to small brands. Everyone's like, you know, they're, they're proving that it is doable. Uh, and that experimentation is what leads to this kind of magic. I love it. It's like very exciting. I feel like there's tons of opportunity. It's moving really fast. It's changing really fast. Um, thank you for joining us today, joining us on the show and being so open about all of this and sharing this. I think it's going to be one of those episodes people listen to over and over again. Where can people connect with you um, if they want to learn more? What's the best way? Uh, LinkedIn. There's not too many Ramavasans on LinkedIn, so it's <laughs> relatively easy to find. I spell my name R-E-M-A, which I know is nothing like the way it's pronounced, uh, but it's uh, Rama and then last name V-A-S-A-N. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed this and hope to yeah. connect more in the future. Thank you, Chris and Sylvie. It was really awesome being here. It was such a great chat. You know what I was thinking about as we're having this conversation is, you know, when we were doing Brandwagon, I talked to a lot of big brands and you realize a lot of the big brands, the most lasting brands, the ones that seem like they wouldn't be able to take a risk are the ones that are taking the biggest risks. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's how you stay relevant forever is you keep being tapped into what's next and you keep taking risks. And I think this is a really interesting interview and a really interesting episode. I, I really did take some notes like during this one. I know I saw you. I saw you which, typing. Which is just thinking about the fact that like what Rama is talking about is like a new way of communicating, a totally democratized entertainment platform. And in some ways, like, you know, YouTube has been this, right? Like anyone can upload anything to YouTube. But I think what's so different here is like you can't do it without entertainment. It's like the epitome of this thing we've been talking about of like, you want to pick between learning something one way and learning another way where it's like more fun and interesting. You're always totally. going to pick more fun and interesting. And their pitch is like, that's their whole platform. And I think just stunning that the average person watches basically a 90 minutes of content a day. Absolutely stunning. That blew my mind. Yeah. I scroll and I like blink and it's been an hour. You know, I scroll on TikTok and I blink and it's been an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, how did it happen? But... 
You know what's funny? I'm like a full-time TikTok lurker. I'm not a creator. Mm-hmm. But what if? What if we do a TikTok creation challenge? Okay. Where we each have to make one TikTok. Okay. Get out there. Sounds good. Just see see what we do. All right, check. Already done it. Next. <laughs> you mean a new one, right? <laughs> a new one. And it can't. You know what's it funny? Can't, I, it can't be talking too loud okay, on TikTok. Okay, then it doesn't. Then it's which I yes. which I love that we're doing more of, and we're going to get even better at that. Yeah. It's. I actually. I just want to for people who are who are watching or listening to this, like we have been taking some clips from talking too loud and putting on TikTok. Yeah. And it's interesting because like. You know, I, I've said this a few times. My my follower count has gone up. But last time I said it, it was like I had five followers on TikTok. And it, as yeah. Rama said, it doesn't matter how many followers you have, right? It's just about interest. Yeah. And I posted some of some clips from some of our apps. And it's only been two apps I think I've done so far. And like we've gotten a thousand views on one and 800 on another. And like it's really interesting to see that because you think about how hard you have to work to get a thousand views anywhere else. Like it's anywhere it's else. hard. Yeah, but this algorithm is purposely exposing your content to more folks, and if it actually does resonate, it can give you a big benefit. And the cool thing for me has been seeing, like, as a byproduct of making talking too loud, we have these assets we can put on all these different platforms, and putting it on TikTok in particular, it doesn't matter if you have a following yet, and yet, like, some of the stuff is starting to work, which is really is interesting to see because it is the first time you upload to anywhere or you got zero followers, it's intimidating. And so I think even just like repurposing stuff to start has been like such a good move for us. Absolutely. And I think, you know, going back to actually the beginning of the interview, for me personally, the the barrier to like me actually like putting content on TikTok is yeah. totally fear-based. Yes. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm going to look like an idiot. I mm-hmm. don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to like it. But I'm not thinking about the possibility of like, I get to make new stuff. I get to like try and test out some new skills. Yep. I get to I get to have the metaphorical zip line that Roma did. Totally. And I, I think also testing stuff there is a good way to, you know, if you if it's purely seeing how it takes off from an entertainment standpoint, if it does take off, it probably will also work in other places. So I yeah. do think there's a way to think about using multiple of these platforms together to like activate your audience, figure out what they care about, and then take that in other places where the follower count does matter much more than just like the interest level. So totally. yeah, it's it's exciting to be playing around with it. And good get. Good job. You did it. <laughs> Listeners, viewers, uh, don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you listen to it in whatever podcast app you're in. If you're on some website that's got a review thing for us, just go in there and throw a review. Do a little <laughs> quick review. Um, if you have feedback for us, you have ideas for other guests, what have you, please email us at ttlpod at wiss.com or you can connect with us on Twitter. I'm Steve Savage on Twitter. Give me the loot. That's Sylvie. And you can also find us on LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok and not really Snapchat though right now. Are you doing Snapchat at all? No snaps. No snaps. All right, cool. Well, that's it. No snaps. (laughs) Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com. <laughs>